announcement this morning that was unexpected. Kind of caught off guard when Greg asked me to come up on the stage. Earlier that morning, I saw Tom Phillips passing out produce to people. I thought maybe it's the church equivalent of time to stone me or something like that. But no, I appreciate the recognition. We enjoy our time here with this congregation. And it seems strange to think that, you know, in a full-time capacity, I've been working here since like July 1st, 2005. So, I mean, it's been a long time. It doesn't seem like that long of a time. It seems like the time has flown, and I'm excited about the works that we're doing as a congregation. I'm excited about the, the direction that we're always going in. We're always trying to be more like Jesus. So, let me compliment all of you. I can't have you all get up on the stage or anything like that right now, but I'm proud of all of you. I'm impressed with the work that you're doing, and I'm excited that we get to work together. So many congregations, you know, get stuck in a rut. They become apathetic, or they kind of go backwards. We're always pushing forward. We're always thinking about new ways to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, new ways to seek and save the lost, new ways to make a difference in people's lives, and I'm excited about that. It's almost every week that, that one of you comes up to me and says, hey, I have this idea to do this wonderful godly thing, and it's, and it's great, and it's encouraging to be part of a congregation that wants to work. In Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 6, it talks about how the wall was being built and how successful the people were being, and it says it's because they had a mind to work. Well, I want to compliment all of you because I truly believe you have a mind to work, and it's my honor to be able to serve in this capacity as, you know, the evangelist here. I want to ask you a question this evening, and the question is, how well do you handle, or how do you handle stress? We dealt with this question up at winter camp in one of the lessons that I covered there with, with the teens, but knowing that this is a topic that doesn't just apply to the teens, I thought we would ask the same question tonight. How do you handle stressful times in your life. I can think about in my own ministry, oftentimes I deal with people at the greatest parts of their life, you know, getting baptized into Jesus Christ, um, their weddings and things like that. Those are great moments, right? But I also sometimes have to work with people during low points in life, people when they're mourning the loss of a loved one, people when they're having marriage problems, when they're struggling with a particular sin. Sometimes in my, in my line of work in ministry, my, my task is to rebuke people. You know, they say, hey, what you are doing is wrong. You shouldn't be doing it. Stop this particular behavior. Repent of that sin. That's a biblical thing to do. Well, oftentimes when dealing with somebody who is caught up in a certain sin, the individual will make excuses for that sin. And I'm guilty of this too. We all make excuses for our sins. But oftentimes what a person will do is they'll say, well, right now in my life I have all this stress, so that's why I'm giving in to this addiction that I have over here to, to alcohol or to painkillers or, or to other kinds of drugs. They'll, they'll use that as an excuse. Maybe you've used an excuse like that before. Or maybe the reason that they've um, lived an immoral life and engaging in behavior that's not becoming of a Christian, they go, well, I'm just so stressed right now. I'm having all these different relationship problems, and this is just my outlet for that stress. I've heard that before. I've heard people, you know, make the excuse, to, well, we're having a lot of marriage problems, so I need to fulfill my lust and things in, in, in this way. Or, you don't know my, what my life is right now, I just lost my job, that's why I'm lashing out against my family, against my spouse. I, I hear things, like I'm sure you've heard things like that before too, and all of us, maybe it's not those, those sins that we would identify as even more detrimental to our life, but even little things, right? You know, when you're stressed out, you're late somewhere, all of a sudden your attitude completely changes when you're behind the wheel and you view everybody, you know, as an idiot and a moron and you start saying things you wouldn't normally say because of the stress that you're in. I know that my, my own attitude, especially like on Sundays, Sundays are a stressful time in the Sabro house. 
because I'm kind of disconnected from everybody on Sundays because I'm trying to get my thoughts aligned for my sermon. I usually get here sometimes before the family, so things are stressful. Then we go home Sunday afternoon, and, and I like things to be quiet so I can get my thoughts ready for the next time. Sometimes I get stressed out and don't always behave in a godly way. That might be a time that I, you know, I snap at one of the kids for just being kids. And sometimes we use stress as an excuse to do things that we shouldn't do. And the truth of the matter is, no matter how righteous we are, all of us, even the most righteous, struggle to act godly during stressful times. It's during those stressful times that our true faith really begins to be shown. It's during those rough times when the rubber meets the road where you find out, okay, how faithful am I? How dedicated am I? How righteous am I? Well, you'll find out when you're dealing with stress. With that thought in mind, I want to look at a particular case study, and this is the one that we examined up there at Expedition Winter Camp. By the way, make plans on attending next year, December 27th through the 30th, Winter Camp Rocks. But up there at Winter Camp, we looked at the story of Noah. And I think the story of Noah can tell us a lot about human nature when it comes to how we deal with stress. So let's break it down a little bit here. I know you're familiar with the story of Noah on a Sunday night crowd like this. This is usually the crowd that is growing up, you know, hearing these Bible stories, but maybe you haven't looked at it in this way before. So here in Genesis chapter 6, if you haven't already opened your Bible to it, please turn to Genesis chapter 6. Um, early on in the Bible, we have the story of some of these um, characters throughout history of God's people. You have Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, and so on. Then you have Noah, then from there, you know, his descendants, and Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so on. But here in Genesis chapter 6, we are introduced to a man named Noah. Now, it backs up in verse 5 of Genesis chapter 6. We learn that the earth isn't in a good state. Mankind is living in a very evil way. It says that the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only on evil continually. So mankind pretty much right now is just caught up in evil. They don't want to do anything good. They're just living an evil life. And the Lord, verse 6, is sorry that he made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. So he decides to wipe us out. He says, that's it. I'm done with humanity. I made them. They're supposed to follow me. They've been nothing but trouble. We're going to get rid of them. I'm going to blot them out. But verse 8 tells us, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And it goes on. It says, these are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time, and he walked with God. So we're introduced to this very godly man, a man who's described as righteous, a man who's described as blameless, a man who is said to walk with God. You know, we talk about walking in the light, following Jesus' footsteps, that kind of idea. That's Noah. He's walking the way he should. Everything about him, when you look at Noah, is upright, it's godly, it's blameless. He's a great example. He found favor. He found grace. He found mercy in the eyes of God. So God is mad at humanity. But God looks at Noah and says, there's my child who I find faithful. So what Noah, we find out about Noah is that Noah has a family. He has three sons and he has a wife and the earth isn't good. So God gives Noah the task to build an ark to preserve mankind. And we go on, we find out that Noah's an obedient guy. He's obedient to God. Well, so not only is he blameless, righteous, and walking with God, he's also obedient. What a great example for us. Here you have this man who seems like a, a normal man. He's not supernaturally empowered or something like that, but yet 
he's considered righteous and finds favor in the eyes of God. So God tells him to build the ark, and you know that part of the story. He builds the ark and two of every type of animal and so on. And then we have him, you know, the flood begins and mankind is preserved there on the ark. And finally, the ark lands on Mount Ararat and, you know, people come out and humanity is preserved. But let's ask a question. Do you think Noah was in a stressful situation? See, this is something that, that I hadn't really thought about before until I became older. See, as a, as a child in, in Sunday school, you know, you heard the story about Noah. I mean, we had a Disney cartoon that we would watch of Silly Symphonies of Noah. I know all the songs from that. They're not always doctrinally correct, but that's how I learned my theology about Noah. And it didn't mention the stress that Noah had to be going through. Think about it. Humanity is about to be wiped out. All of it. And God says, the only one I've found to be righteous is you. Therefore, I'm going to preserve you and your immediate family. And you're responsible now for making sure that all the animals in the world are safe. And you're going to build a giant barge to keep them on. And you're going to have to stay alive and stay safe because, well, by the way, you have to repopulate the earth. Little stressful? Yeah. I mean, think about it. I mean, God asked us to do to be pretty committed. He's not asked me to do that. That's extreme levels of commitment, and I imagine there's a lot of stress. And I remember being a kid thinking, oh, what about the ridicule that he had to go through and building this giant boat, and then there's all that debate, did it even rain before then, and all of that. But either way, Noah's in a stressful situation. Stressful, he has to preserve, oh, I don't know, life on this planet. That's a pretty big deal. I have some responsibility placed upon me as a preacher here, but I don't have to preserve life on this planet. That's, I can't think of much things bigger than that. So he builds the ark. He's in a stressful situation. Then he has to survive on board that ark for, you know, the 40 days, 40 nights when it's raining, and then after the water to dry up. And then the ark lands. And you might be, and the Disney cartoon ended there. There was a nice bright rainbow, and everybody's happy, and it's wonderful. Think about the state now the earth is in. We're in a post-flood, kind of like zombie apocalyptic type situation here, right? I mean, where'd all the dead bodies go? Think about that. Now, maybe I'm morbid in my thought, but if all those people and other animals were wiped out in the flood, when the flood water subsided, all you have is soggy, bloated carcasses and muddy ground and not a lot of vegetation. It's probably not a pleasant place to live. It's not, oh, look, it looks just like Eden restored. No, I'm sure it wasn't that pleasant right off the bat. And now you realize that there's no one left on this planet except you and your family, and you've just been cooped up in an ark with them for a long time. So you have, that's it. You think he was in a stressful situation? You think that was hard to cope with that? Could you imagine having that burden upon your shoulders? I mean, we get stressed out around tax time. He has, you know, the planet depending upon him. You know, one false move here, they mess up. All of a sudden, what happens to humanity? So Noah's in a stressful situation situation but we go on and we find out that the flood does subside and that God you know preserves him and his family but then the situation gets a little bit darker after the flood waters subside you know they start to go about their business and it, we find out that Noah plants crops and Noah plants a vineyard it would make sense that he would plant a vineyard. I mean, wine was a common drink that they had. It was a way to preserve, you know, liquid. It was, I mean, that was just part of their livelihood. I'm sure he planted other crops as well. So they're starting to try to rebuild civilization. Keep that in your mind. 
This is a stressful situation. It's not, oh, let's plant a garden. No, we're going to rebuild humanity. Huge responsibility, stressful time. So he plants a vineyard, and in verse, um, Genesis chapter 9, verse 20, it says, Noah began farming, and he planted a vineyard, and he made, obviously then, he makes wine from the vineyard that he plants. He chose in this stressful situation to plant this vineyard to start making wine, and that by itself wasn't necessarily wrong, but we go on, he says, that he drank of the wine and became drunk and uncovered himself in his tent. I have a theory. My theory is, in that stressful situation, he chose to cope with the stress through drinking. Now, whether that was why he went down that path, I don't know, but he did make an, a foolish choice here. In fact, the proverb writer tells us that wine is a mocker, strong drink, a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Here, Noah made an unwise decision by being led astray by that drink. My theory is that the pressure of everything was on him, and now he's not behaving in a righteous way. Now, this might, not, this might not be just an isolated incident either. We're only given a window, a brief window into everything that's going on here. We have him having the responsibility to rebuild humanity, and you know, from the ground up and all of that. I'm sure there was probably a lot of times that maybe he didn't always behave in a way that was right, but here we have one recorded for us. He chooses to drink, he chooses to get drunk, and now he's passed out in his tent. I ask you, do the righteous people sometimes struggle to act golly during stressful times? Yes, they do. Here you have a righteous man, Noah, acting in an unrighteous way. It happens to all of us. Now what happened to him here is kind of outlandish when you think about the character of Noah. We don't normally tell this story to the kids in Bible class, this part of it. But here you got Noah, he's passed out drunk in a tent now. By the way, I didn't put images up there, but if you want to look at images for future PowerPoint slides, Google passed out drunk intent. There is, apparently, this is a common occurrence when a bunch of dumb people go camping with a case full of beer. But here you got Noah passed out in a tent. And then you have his sons and their response. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. So he sees his father pass out there. He tells his two brothers. And there's all sorts of different you know, theories about what took place and all of that. But basically, Ham didn't treat his father with respect and dignity. And the other two brothers, they do. They kind of walk backwards, it says, with a blanket kind of between them. Look at verse 23. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both of their shoulders and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were turned away so that they did not see their father's nakedness. They handled the situation in a decent way. They see a person in a, in a compromised situation behaving in a way that wasn't right. They don't mock him. They don't ridicule him. They try to give him a semblance of dignity by walking backwards and covering up their father like, like they should. So now you have this situation. And Noah now wakes up from, you know, being passed out there in the tent. He finds out what has happened. He's upset. He gets so mad that in verse 25, he curses his grandson. By the way, I think this is still Noah not handling stress properly. It's not like, oh no, he woke up for the one time that he was drunk and never... No, he's probably woke up, hung over. Now he's angry. Have you ever been around a drunk person that behaves in an ungodly way? that lashes out at the loved ones around them, that treats people in an unkind way, that hurts the feelings of the people that they're closest to? That's Noah right here. He now lashes out not only at his son, but curses his grandson just to 
He finds something that's going to hurt his son the most, probably, and says, all right, if I can't get to you, I'm going to hurt the people around you. Have you ever seen somebody that when they're stressed out, act that way? That when they're stressed out, they don't care about who they're bringing down with them. If they hurt, they want other people to hurt. Ever been around someone like that? Is it because of the stress? Is it be, and I'm not even making an excuse for it, but are they allowing the stress to cause them to behave in an ungodly way? Righteous people even struggle with behaving godly during stressful times. The point, though, of our lesson, though, is this. we got to make sure that as godly people, we don't turn to sin to cope with stress. Because we got to understand that our natural inclination a lot of times is when life is hard to go down the path that maybe we've come out of or down the path that is painful and is not the best path. Noah chose to go down the path of drunkenness. And it didn't work out well. A lot of times we choose bad paths. Any of us know somebody that chooses drugs when their life is stressful? Any of us know somebody that lashes out in anger when their life is stressful? That's sinful. Maybe they turn to various types of lust. You know, I was reading a statistic today about, you know, pornography and about how people that their life doesn't have direction and they feel like they're all over the place are seven times more likely to be addicted to pornography. Why? Because they can't handle the stress. So they go down that path. Or maybe they're a person that bounces from relationship to relationship. That's not a good relationship, but that's how they cope with the stress in their life. Maybe they're violent people. Maybe they're the people that abuse, that hurt, that beat up, that fight because of you know, their stress. Maybe they're people that turn to some kind of self-hate where they get really depressed and turn in on themselves and want to hurt themselves. Or maybe when, when they're stressed out, they, they live destructive lifestyles. They just don't even care if it's hurting their life or hurting the people around them. They're going to try to forget their problem. Or maybe they just turn to any other type of sin. We cannot turn to sin to cope with stress. And let's not think that we're immune to it. Because even the most godly people, even the most righteous people, Noah, who God chose to preserve mankind during this situation, didn't behave godly at all. In this stressful environment, he chose a path of sin. But we don't have to. We don't have to sin when we're stressed. I imagine there was other times in Noah's life where he was stressed but didn't behave that way. But at that moment, he chose to go down a path that wasn't good. What about us? When life is hard, when we're upset at our coworkers, when our boss is mean, when we're having financial problems, when we're having marriage problems, when we're seeing you know, problems in our community, when we're having problems with our children, when we're stressed out because of a health issue or someone in our family is ill, how do we handle that stress? We can't handle it with sin. We need to be like Noah in Genesis chapter 6 and not Noah in Genesis chapter 9. In Genesis chapter 6, we have one who's righteous, blameless, and walks with God. One who's obedient. In Genesis chapter 9, we find a drunk, angry man. He didn't choose to handle that situation in a godly way. We got to make sure we behave like he did in Genesis 6 and not Genesis chapter 9. Well, how are we going to do that? How can we make sure that we don't go down that same path? First off, let's not think that any of us are better than Noah here. Let's go, well, I would never do that. We all got our vices. We all got the sins that we turn to. 
when we're upset, when we're stressed, when life isn't going the way we want it to. Maybe you're not drunk and passed out in a tent, but I bet you all of us, myself included, there's ways that we act that isn't godly when we're stressed. So how do we handle stress? What's a more godly way to handle stress so that we could be more righteous, blameless, and obedient like Noah? What can we do during these stressful times? Well, turn away from Genesis for a moment. Let's go all the way forward to a book in the New Testament, the book of James. I know Curtis is working through James right now Wednesday night, and I've kind of had James on the mind a little bit, and a passage that keeps coming out to me in the text is James chapter 5, verse 13. I believe that this passage here is the answer to how we handle stressful situations in a way that's godly. Because we're not going to get rid of stress. There is no promise in Scripture that stress is going to go away when you follow Jesus. It's not, a, oh no, if you follow Jesus, everything's going to be wonderful in your life. It's not. You'll still experience death. You'll still experience heartache. You'll still experience pain. And people won't always be nice to you. There is no promise of a happy-go-lucky, everybody hold hands around the campfire and sing kumbaya kind of life just because you're a Christian. Now, you will have joy. You will have hope. You will have purpose. But that's not to say that there isn't stressful times. Look at the apostles. Look at what they dealt with shipwrecked, being beaten, being stoned half to death. Look at Jesus Christ, sinless and perfect. He died on the cross. So there is no promise that living godly is going to make your life easy. There still will be stress, but being godly will give you the tools to handle that stress. James chapter 5, in verse 13, it says, is anyone among you suffering? Is anyone among you in a stressful situation? Is anyone among you hurting? That same idea. If anyone among you is suffering, then he must pray. Pray. What if Noah, instead of turning to, to wine there, turned to prayer and to handle that situation? Would the outcome have been different? I guarantee it, it would have. I know in my own life, the times when I have behaved in a way that wasn't godly, it's because I turned to this sin versus prayer when I was hurting. So many people when they're hurting turn to the wrong place. They turn to addictions. They turn to different vices. They turn to bad people for advice. You must pray. So when your life is hard, pray. When you're stressed out, pray. When you're hurting, pray. When you're angry, pray. And you'll find that you won't go down that path of sin. We go on, he says, is anyone among you cheerful? Then he is to sing praises. Now, I know he doesn't mention the idea here of dealing with stress, but again, a proper response to an emotion that we have is praising God. And if we're a people that are constantly looking for opportunities to praise God, to thank Him, to bless Him, you think we're going to go down a path of sin? No. If our lips just got finished praying to God and blessing His holy name, you think we're going to curse out somebody in traffic? You think we're going to lash out with hurtful language to our loved ones? You think we're going to, you know, raise our hand in anger against somebody if we just had them folded in prayer? No, we're not. Because we're behaving in a way that's godly. When you're stressed out, turn to prayer. When you're stressed out, turn to praise. He goes on, is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over and reach out to your brethren, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed any sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins 
to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish, accomplish sorry, much. When you're dealing with stress in your life, turn to godly people. Notice what James says here. You pray, you praise, and you reach out to the good people around you. When you're hurting, don't. so often we turn inward. We become very introverted. We become very self-focused when we're dealing with stress in our life. James says by inspiration, lean upon your brethren. He says, call for the elders that pray with you. He mentions in verse 16, confessing our sins to one another. Maybe when you're stressed out, what you need at that moment is to go out for coffee with a good friend in the church and sit down and just talk about your problems. Now, I know that might sound weird to some of us, but it's biblical. Confess your sins. Lift one another up, and you'll avoid those sins that sometimes we fall into when we're stressed. You do not have to sin when you're stressed. You can make the choice to be like Noah in Genesis chapter 6 and not Noah in Genesis chapter 9. Now this week, in fact, when we leave here tonight, you're going to be faced with some stressful situations. And I know, knowing a lot of you very well, and you know me, that there's certain stressful things that we're all dealing with. The question is, how are we going to handle them? Are we going to handle them in a godly way? Are we going to turn to prayer? Are we going to turn to praise? Are we going to turn to good, godly people to lift us up? Are we going to turn to bad advice? Are we going to turn to bad behaviors? Are we going to turn to ungodliness as a way to try to self-cope with the stress in our life? You don't have to sin when you're stressed. You could be someone who God describes as blameless, righteous, and walking with God. Sounds a whole lot better than a drunk passed out in a tent. How are you going to cope with the stress in your life this week? Hopefully all of us will cope with it in a godly way. But let's tonight. In just a moment, we'll sing our invitation song. But again, we offer you the opportunity that if you're not a child of God tonight, you can become one. You can have your sins washed away. You can have the prayers of the congregation here because we want to pray for you. We want to help you out. We love you and care about you, and we want to help you get to heaven. If you have a need, why don't you come? As together we stand. And